Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast. We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports. We're your hosts. I'm Connor. I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 58. And we are down one man today. We we have someone on the COVID IL in the protocols. Like I said, I didn't clear it with him if he really wanted me to like go in about this, but Justin does have COVID right now, so he is unable to record right now. Um, we miss him dearly, but it's just Sam and I tonight. We'll hold down the fort. We got plenty to talk about tonight, though, Sam. Plenty to talk about, and a lot more than we thought we would have to yeah. talk about at this point on as we're recording this on July 6th. Um, we kind of let off, let, left off the last episode, and we'll do sipping on it in just a second, but we kind of left off last episode talking about how we thought the rest of June and July would be kind of slow, slow months, and we might might have one recording in between now and kind of the start of fall camp. And we're for sure going to have at least one more recording before the start yeah. of fall camp, if not two, based on all of the news and, and headlines that have kind of crashed the airways over the last couple of weeks. So before we get started and before we get into all of that, Sam, how are you doing tonight? What are you sipping on? And how the, how the last couple of weeks treated you as far as being a Husky fan and a college football fan? Well, start off, I'm sipping on some Buffalo Trace and Boomerang. Tasty mm. combo. I've been moving yeah. away from Jack Daniels. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I... I Is your I, palate, like, no, no, becoming no. edumacated a little bit, or...? Maybe. I'm all about the edumacation, <laughs> but... You're refining? Yeah, Buffalo Trace has just been hitting different recently, so I'm a big fan of it. And I've been seeming to find pretty good deals on it too. It's not yeah, that Buffalo Trace is solid, man. With, but uh, yeah, so it's been it's a, good. It's mid tier. I like it. Yeah, I pull it. I put it like just a rung below Bullet. I think. Yeah, Bullet got too snobby and raised their prices. I'm not about it. <laughs> it used to be You're like not a sucker. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like what. Twenty three ninety nine. Now it's like thirty bucks. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've always of, bought it for about twenty five bucks for the seven fifty. Yeah, now it's out of my price range. So Buffalo Trace is good. I still will always have a soft spot in my heart for Jack Daniels. Still consume my fair share of that. Um, either one tastes good when you sp spice it up with a little boom. Uh, Absolutely. So that's good. As a Husky fan, your second question, it's been an interesting couple of weeks. I mean, you mm -hmm. have all this momentum and recruiting wins that we've had that we'll get into here. So you're like super pumped about that. And yeah. just the momentum that the new staff has been able to build in such short time is really promising. Um, but with all this college football realignment BS, uh, there's a there's a lingering fear that the Huskies are on the outside looking in and uh, are not going to get through the bouncer and be able to dance anymore. So we'll, we'll uh, see how that all shakes out. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, uh, but also nervous. So kind of mixed emotions, I guess. How about you? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, the recruiting stuff has just been like 
unreal. Uh, and I mean, obviously a little bit of a pause on it right now, and we'll get into all that in, in a little bit here, but <clears throat> this whole, <laughs> this realignment's just scary stuff, man. Like it, and it's just like, you can't, you don't want to, we'll get into it more later, but like, I'm just going to preface it with this now. Like you don't want to like overstate anything but like literally the the future of the program hinges on kind of what happens probably over the next days weeks months however long it takes to figure out kind of what our next move and like the pathway forward is going to be it, it's the future of, of our program in the current sta status of college football because everything's changing in college football yeah, um, there's a lot weighing on how this whole thing shakes out for sure. Yeah. So what you, uh, anyway, what are you sipping on over there? Oh, to get through this? I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, sipping on a Litchfield Manhattan small batch cocktail. So nice. uh, it's a, basically a bottled Manhattan that I got over in Connecticut a couple months ago when I was visiting my my father-in-law. So pretty tasty stuff it's got our it's got our product in it so that's that makes it good got to support that's it's right. a brovo brovo spirits kind of podcast right now <laughs> it's it is the little plugs i mean kind of unofficial sponsor i think so yeah i think that's fair to say can't complain we're not getting any money out of it but <laughs> we'll <laughs> plug them every once in a while if you're out there buy brovo spirits it's the best goddamn shit you'll ever taste it makes your cocktails good at home for sure. That's 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 its job. All right, Sam, let's dive into this, man. We got a lot. We got a lot of recruits to go through, and a lot more than we thought. Uh, like I said, we kind of left off last episode. We teased that there was a, a a big recruiting weekend at the end of June, um, and that was going to be kind of like our our biggest recruiting weekend, at least for Kalen DeBoer and and his staff for sure since since there's the beginning of their tenure which is only you know six seven months at this point um but little did we know it's uh, this is that was probably the biggest recruiting weekend as far as like a win that we've had possibly like ever <laughs> yeah i mean i remember there was one recruiting weekend during the sark era where it went was that when we got shack I, I think so. Um, I, I just remember that there was this huge recruiting weekend. We got like tons and tons of commits and then more than half of them ended up going to other schools in the end. So like uh -huh. that was a huge recruiting weekend, but it didn't, didn't really stick. So we're hope, hoping that's that, the other piece of this though, this, right? That this sticks. And if it does, yeah. then I think, yeah, it's, it's the biggest recruiting weekend in terms of success that i can remember yeah yeah and i mean at least like our our lifetime i would say yeah um but before we get into like the commits themselves i mean we we had talked about you know we, we had four commits at the at the time of the last recording and yeah. we were hoping to maybe get to 10 by the time that july rolled around so if like six popped after that recruiting weekend that was going to be a big win right Right now we have 16 commits or 12, sorry, 12 commits. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're right. Oh, I, we do total. have 16. Oh, you're right. We have we 16. It was 12, 12 commits 
after or that week and after i should say yeah in the last that's like, insane two and a half weeks we've got 12 commits putting the you talk about recruiting 16. you talk about recruiting momentum that's momentum right there we have like we talked about courtney morgan but we severely under like played how vital he could be in like the near term, like like we were yeah. thinking it was going to be 2024 that this all starts to take shape as far as like the recruiting strategy. They've they've played on the field one season at that point. They're, they've gotten their connections for like over a year with a lot of these recruits at that point for the 2024 kids. But no, dude, they're going they're going in on this 2023 and it's this national aggressive recruiting strategy that they have. And I think that's that's the thing to stress in this, Sam, and I'll let you take the reins here in a second. But like these recruits are coming from all over the country here that that we're getting to commit here. It's not local guys anymore. And I think that's kind of the way that we're going to have to do this from now on, because the way that Jimmy Lake left and the way that a lot of the kids that are turning 18, 17, 18, 16, even right now have grown up with Washington not being a super successful program for the, for the majority of their lives. And they've seen Oregon really be like that kind of the dominant program in the Northwest. Right. So a lot of the a lot of the local kids don't really have that hatred for Oregon that, you know, Sam and I have from from our childhood. And I mean, I, I this irates me like this whole subject irates me, but you can't change these kids minds. I mean, they're 17, 18 year olds and the only perspective that they have is their own. So Oregon's not the devil to them, you know, and. They see the success that Oregon has had, and we see one of our top recruits again this last week in Caleb Presley commit to Oregon. So don't mean to leave it on like a sour note now, but like now we've had we this this staff has had kind of a change in their strategy as far as going national with the recruiting of UW and like putting our name back on the map from from a national perspective, not just like a, a West Coast or or Washington or Oregon perspective. Like this is different, man. This is different than anything that I've experienced. I feel like as a UW fan, since I can remember, I'll yeah. let you take the reins from me, but yeah, no, I, I totally, totally agree. This is, it feels really nice to have this momentum rolling, but I got to go back to your Oregon comments and it, I totally disagree. Are you going to tear me apart here? Yeah, I think you're letting these kids off the hook that grew up here. They, <laughs> they damn well know. They do. That they don't like Oregon and the local people around where they grew up don't like Oregon. Well, they Caleb know. Presley tried to like save face by like throwing us into his top six. Again, but you're letting them everyone off the knew. Hook. You're letting them off the hook. Did you watch his his announcement? I did. Yeah. Where he was like teasing you dub and kind of like mimicking or mocking his mom, like, oh, his purple look good. Purple looks pretty good. He did is he more purple. or less dead. Is he more or less dead to you than Josh Connerly? Same. Doesn't matter. End result. Yeah. All right. So you're letting them off the hook. They know what they're doing and what it, it and I'm not I'm not blaming them, but they know damn well that Oregon is the enemy. They yeah. know that. But you can't fault them when, I mean, Oregon's playing a different game than we are in recruiting right now with this sure, new, that, new era of NIL. So, like, I don't, I don't blame them for taking the, the short-term payout. 
But, I mean, they know. They know what they did. And there should be no well, and, expectation of anything else when they come home. Well, and, and the funniest part is, like, some of these guys probably aren't really going to pan out at Oregon, right? And I they're going to end up ending the portal. Name an Oregon defensive back in the NFL this, besides Patrick Chung and maybe Javon Howard. Javon, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Javon, Javon Howard. What's his name? Javon I don't Holland. Remember. I don't know. That's who it was. Oh, Holland. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know that McKinley got an invite to Seahawks camp or something like that, but like he wasn't drafted. So anyways, I just had to say that I couldn't let it. I couldn't let it go. So that's no, I, I appreciate it. Did. <laughs> Get, getting back to the Huskies recruiting class. I wasn't planning on even bringing it up, but then I started going on a tangent and I had to bring it full circle anyway. No. No, Sam, it's, it's, please. it's a relevant talking point when you're talking about how Courtney Morgan and our revamped recruiting staff have really casted a wider net. We've got commits from Texas, Colorado, mostly classes from California. Um, and then a handful of, yeah. And then a handful of these, uh, these high school kids that are really interested in UW and we're hopeful to get a commit from there's Louisiana Arizona, there's a couple East Coasters. So, you know, there's a focus on getting the right players for the system that we can get, the best players we can mm -hmm. get, and not, and, and that probably ruffles some feathers for some folks that we're not giving preferential treatment to the local kids. But at the end of the day, I want the best athletes, the best football players on my team. So it's kind of an exciting development um, when pretty much all of the staffs that we've heard from in the past or had here at UW in the past have made like putting a fence up around the state, such a huge thing. And I think yeah. that's, I think that's important, but it shouldn't be at the expense of getting somebody better that might be from Colorado or Utah. So. Sure. I, I think it's also just like, throwing it's it's i'm not saying like it's throwing mud at the wall but like as uh, it's one of those things that you, you like you said casting a wider net so that like you have fallback options basically like if the local guys don't work out you know and yeah i think i think that's kind of the point that you're trying to make there is that is that they have they have more options because they're casting their wet nighter net wider and in a very aggressive way as well. Like they're, yeah, they, they still have this whole loyal to the soil thing. Like they're campaigning that too. And I think they're, yeah. they're still trying to build relationships in this state. There's no doubt about that. And I think that's really going to start kicking in though, like in the 24, 25, 26 guys though. Yeah. This 23 class, like the bridges were burnt for the most part by Jimmy. And like they tried to mend them as well as they could, but they realized that like, it was going to be pretty hard to reel a lot of these kids back in. So they made an intentional effort to go elsewhere. And I think they're well, going to continue to do that though. Cause they're, they're building pipelines in some other States that we haven't seen before. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think it's going to be one of the more fascinating things to watch from a recruiting philosophy perspective. Um, because I also think, you know, part of the reason it might appear that we're casting such a wide net right now is Courtney Morgan's running the show from a recruiting perspective. And for those that haven't been following this topic or 
our podcast super closely, Courtney Morgan was, you know, highly regarded top five recruiting guy in college football came from the university of Michigan. And what's his title? What's his exact title? Um, it's like director of recruiting strategy or something like that. Yeah. Basically he's the head of the recruiting department and he has a staff of a handful of folks that work directly. A couple guys from Oregon too. Yeah. So my main point here is part of what we might be seeing is it's only been seven months, six months, seven, eight months since they've joined flew, flew into Seattle. So you got to go with the relationships that you've already built. And Courtney Morgan's built a lot of these relationships when he was at Michigan, which has a bit of a wider reach and a bigger national brand than the University of Washington does. So it'll be curious to see as the relationships that he's built previously at Michigan start to age out, what does that look like? It does then, to your point, Connor, is there more of a focus in our you know, historical footprint of Washington, Oregon, California, or do we still have this like nationwide effort? My guess yeah. is it's going to probably balance out somewhere in the middle with a little bit of yeah. both. Um, but I think that's one of the biggest points that I want to make in this is right now, just recapping, we've got 12 commits in the last two and a half weeks. That puts us to a total of 16. And right now we're ranked number 21 in the country, our class is. And, you know, some of that is due to the volume of having 16, but some right. of these guys are really, really quality gets. And to be sitting here, seven months removed from a coaching change and having a top 25 ranked class is ludicrous and stupid. And there's not enough praise going around to the staff that they've been able to pull this 2023 class into the place that it is right now. Like, obviously we still need to close and put, you know, pen to paper on these guys. But the fact that we're sitting here before the season even started, DeBoer and company haven't even had to prove that they can win games yet. I mean, it is remarkable that they've been able to do this in such a short period of time. Like they always yeah. talk about those transition classes when a coaching change is happening. And you can look at Peterson when he came in for Sark, when Sark came in for Ty, even when Jimmy Lake took over for Peterson, like there is a noticeable dip when that happens. Obviously when DeBoer's taken over from, rock bottom that you can't go much lower than where we were so it helps but like we're in a really i'm i'm so pleasantly surprised to be sitting where we're at from a recruiting perspective today knowing that seven months ago total full coaching change yeah <laughs> i don't think i could say it any better than you just did i think the thing that you left out about courtney morgan is that we we took him from Michigan, also his alma mater. That's true. Yeah. Like, like the fact that he came to Washington shows how much he believes in Kalen DeBoer more than anything else, as far as like building a program. Well, that or he believes in Washington in terms of like a bunch of dollar dollar bills, y'all. I mean, there's a money factor, but I mean, could he have <laughs> been making much less at Michigan? Um, I think he got a pretty substantial pay bump and and title 
bump where like he's well has his whole team. keep doing that yeah but <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not trying to downplay your point your point is like to be able to pry the guy away from a quote-unquote moving all the way to the west coast like quote-unquote from... blue bro- blue blood program alma mater yeah is is pretty shocking yeah and i forget the so, connection to DeBoer. they were at fresno. he worked with him at fresno yeah, yeah. like three years ago or something like that i think yeah um so like he he obviously is very familiar with Kalen and and the program that he runs so i i think that's that's just like a good sign of things to come you know that like he has that much faith in our head coach and the program that he builds so yeah i think we got a good one guys i think we really really did get a good coach like yeah it, we haven't even seen it on display yet, and I really think that we got a really good coach. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're looking at probably getting a, a recruiting class in, like, the top 30, though, and, like, realistically, yeah. right? And we yeah, had talked about we were probably going to be in the 30 to 50 range. Like, that was kind of, like, we were what we were realistically talking about, I think, in the last episode. Yeah. So to be – in the position that we're in right now and we're still probably going to get at least another one more four four star if not a couple um, i think this will be a top 25 class just from a volume perspective some of the yeah. latest that we've heard is that i think that you're probably going to see a bit of attrition before the season starts i think you're going to see more attrition after the season ends so this class yeah. is probably going to be 22 to 25 right and just on the even though i think we only have what like 15 or 16 scholarships open i think right now so i think they basically filled yeah can't remember if it was six it might have been 16 or 17 i feel like they had like one more scholarship like that was kind of open at this point going into next year but i think they're yeah they're definitely counting on attrition and maybe some guys some underclassmen going to the nfl and stuff like that too so yeah, so I think um, like if you pull together a class that's 25 deep, even if the bulk of that's three stars, that's such a big class that it's oh, going to sure. probably yeah. get you in the 25, top 25 yeah. would be my guess. Yeah, but right around it. And to be fair, some of these three stars might turn into four stars, you know, and yeah, like over the course of the fall season. So um, let's get into some of these recruits, that, unless yeah. you had anything else to touch on as far as like overlay stuff, but like. Nope. Who are like a like a spot? Who's a spot guy? Maybe like on offense and on defense that you're you're excited about. We'll each share two, maybe, and then we'll we'll kind of spotlight four guys. I will just say too that they have done an excellent job of balancing this class as far as position groups too. Like they've done a yeah. really good job at like addressing positions and not going super heavy in one position they've done a good job of rounding out the class in a good way. They got, you know, one QB, one running back, a couple wide receivers, a couple edge guys, a couple, uh, two, uh, two, two, def- two, three defensive backs, a couple D line guys. Like it, it's, it's a well-balanced class as far as that perspective goes. So it's pretty easy for us to be able to pick, you know, one guy from kind of each side of the ball to highlight here. So why don't you pick, pick a couple guys to, to shout out, Sam. Yeah, so I think right off the top, the crown jewel of the class right now and likely will be in the end 
is Anthony James. He's a defensive Oh, he lineman. stole mine. Oh, shocker. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a D-line slash edge from Texas. He's a high four-star. Let me see if I can pull up some of this yeah. stuff here. Um, yeah, he's top 180 regardless of position. One of the best. This is the guy that we were. In. Yeah, this is the guy that we were talking about that decommitted from AM on the last Correct. episode that was in that last week and in June. That if we landed him, that would be a big get and could start some recruiting momentum. So, yeah, I mean, happened. just look at his offer list. You know, like Connor said, he was committed to Texas AM for a while. He's got offers from Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU. Should I keep going? <laughs> like all of the big schools no. pretty, are recruiting pretty much guy. his choice yeah yeah and so landing somebody like him and again just getting somebody like this out of texas is so huge i mean last time it worked so well for us and that's really the comparison in my mind here anthony james is in a pretty similar spot as levi Onzerike was when we got him out of texas levi was yeah. maybe 15 ish pounds heavier but mm-hmm. I think the future for Anthony James, like right now he's 6'5", 245 pounds. So like he's got a body that's ready to play on the edge for sure. But he's got a big frame. And when you see pictures of him, you just know that he's got a lot of room to fill out. So I imagine he's probably going to put on another 30 pounds pretty easily. Um in the first couple of years on campus and he'll kind of be that defensive line defensive lineman that can also bump out and, you know, be a run stopper on the edge and early downs. Um, but just an absolute elite athlete along the defensive line. So, um, that's definitely the number one recruit that stands out. The other thing I'll mention is as soon as he popped and announced his commitment, he's been like, definitely the captain of this class in terms of recruiting other people. He's been super active on Twitter, calling people out like, Hey, it's time for you to commit to UW. Like, let's go. Um, He's been interacting a ton with just Husky nation and the fans in terms of, you know, when he hears of somebody's going to commit later today, he goes and teases it on Twitter. So just kind of being the voice of the class as well. um, I think probably highlights you know, an inclination to anticipate him being a leader of this team down the road. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, going back to your man, Courtney Morgan, that's the big reason he committed here and he flipped from Texas A&M. His dad and himself really trust Courtney Morgan. That's the strongest relationship that they've built in the recruiting world. So I anticipate this one's going to stick because he's already heard the best sales pitches from the SEC, the ACC, Big Ten, all of them. So um, I'm hopeful that his will stick. So that's my overall number one recruit that we have right now. I think you'd agree. If I have to flip to the offensive side of the ball, I'm definitely going with, uh, ooh, I don't know. I'm torn. I'm definitely going with, I don't know. (laughs) Well, for a long time, I've been super high on Tybo. Tybo Rogers, I think, is going to be a stud running back in this system he's you can take him i got two others picked out so you're good all right i was gonna go with the qb hopefully that's yours is it not oh no it's not do you want to talk about the qb i'm just gonna talk about them both because i'm super pumped 
I'll okay, start with fine. I'll start with Tybo first. So Tybo is a high three star. I think this is one of the guys that probably in the fall gets bumped up to a four star. Um, yeah. 5'11", 180, just a totally dynamic, all-purpose running back. He's got home run hitting speed, great balance, elusiveness, vision in the backfield. But what's so important in this DeBoer offense is being able to catch and run routes out of the backfield. And he's proven to be able to – he's proven to be elite at that in, in the high mm-hmm. school game. And you see him in some of the off-season seven-on-seven pass-happy leagues that he plays in. and he looks like a wide receiver out there cooking corners. So super excited about him. Um, I think, you know, he's was an early commit. I forget if it, I think it was March or April. Um, also kind of one of those leader voices of this class. So super pumped about him. And then I'm going to cheat and go one more quarterback Lincoln Kineholes from South Dakota. N- not the most highly regarded quarterback that that was out there, but I think the South Dakota connection, the Dakota connection with uh, Ryan Grubb and coach DeBoer is, is a cool storyline. And I think it's, you know, you'll hear, Oh, you know, level of competition wasn't that great. Well, that's, that's true, but he's, he's dominant and he shows yeah. a really good arm. He can throw all of the routes in the thing that I like too. about him the most. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. You're gonna <laughs> fucking steal Sorry. my thunder like that. Well, you take two. I gotta. I gotta at least like interject a little bit if you're taking two offensive guys. My favorite thing about our quarterback is that he's a three sports star. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> and if and if you look at some of his highlights, I mean, just recently I saw him like catch a ball in the low post playing basketball, turn around and dunk in traffic. He's not tall. He's six two, six three. So that's like yeah. pretty crazy hops and, you know, indicates some superior athleticism. And then I've seen videos of him hitting absolute dingers on the baseball diamond. So three, three sports star at quarterback, I think is pretty unique. I don't remember the last time we had that. Maybe Jake Locker. I don't probably, know. probably a, yeah, either Locker or like, I don't know if Matt, Locker yeah, I don't know if Locker played basketball. I know he obviously hell of a football player and baseball player. But anyways, yeah. my point is is you've got a quarterback that just feels like a perfect fit for a DeBoer offense. Mm-hmm. Just kind of jack of all trades, has sneaky athleticism to make things happen. Um, so yeah, I know I cheated there, but you stole my thunder, so I think we're even. <laughs> I, and I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. 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 I'm such an ass. Uh, I'm. I'm excited about Kineholtz though too. I. I think he's gonna be. I don't know. I mean, he has like the projection to like be a starter by the time he's like later in his career. Probably. Yeah. You know, he's not like a guy that's gonna come in and take the reins or anything like that. And but we got guys in the system that we think are going to be ahead of him anyway. So by the yeah. time this guy is an upperclassman, I think he'll be ready. And like he's going to need to get coached up quite a bit anyway. There's yeah. a lot of like kind of you know nuances and technical things that I'm sure he needs to get coached up on. But he's obviously very athletic. He's got all the intangibles as far as just like arm accuracy, 
you know, mobility, all that stuff right. is like, he's got pretty good pocket awareness, honestly, for his age. So uh, that's, that's something that's usually pretty tough to teach. So it's good that he has that, but he's obviously going to need to learn a lot <laughs> once he gets on campus, as far as, you know, learning a college offense and a pro style offense at that. So, yeah, um, I, I totally agree. And I think just rounding out the comments on, on kind holes here, you touched on it, but I think it's worth really crystallizing it for the audience is that one of the other things to be excited about him is in today's day and age, finding a quarterback that kind of has the mentality to stick around and be coached up in a system for a couple of years is really hard. Yeah. So, you know, on the flip side, he's not a five star. He is a, he's a three star, relatively new yep. three star at that but he, he seems to have the makeup and the profile of somebody that's going to come in, work hard for a couple of years, be in the system and buy us time. And I think that can be a tremendously positive thing. So yeah. while he might not be the best quarterback out there, um, it kind of provides some stability in that room for the next couple of years, not really knowing how, you know, Penix is going to be the starter. How does Heward and Morris take that? Do they move right. on? And with all the transfer portal stuff, it's nice to, uh, and I guess that's where the story of the Dakota connection comes in a little bit too. Like you can just mm -hmm. tell this guy really trusts Grubb and DeBoer. So there might be a, a tad more loyalty, um, loyalty there that is unfortunately pretty rare to come by at that position in college football right now. Yeah. And I mean, he's, he's probably like a mid to high floor, high ceiling guy, you know, yeah. which is, I think, and your your first class, you know, recruiting class as a as a staff, I think that's a decent guy to guy to get at QB. Uh, I want to touch on your point real quick before I go into my guys um, about DeBoer being a Midwest guy and uh, the recruiting impacts of that. You know, like and you had talked about if we're just going to be kind of like a mostly West Coast guy, mostly West Coast recruiting you know, strategy once kind of Courtney Morgan and his contacts maybe start to kind of phase out a bit over the next couple of years. And maybe Courtney Morgan obviously moves on to maybe greener pastures at that point too. I don't, I don't know. Like, honestly, I think he's probably at like the kind of the, the height of like where he would probably want to be as far as like yeah, a title, but it's just like whether he gets a more attractive offer from a bluer blood than us, you know, that but, or, for some reason he decides he wants to be on the field coach. Sure. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I get that from him, Either but I think he really likes the recruiting aspect, but, but we'll see. You never know guys change yeah. their minds, but I mean, nonetheless, I'm just touching on that. Like, I mean, DeBoer and Grubb, like both have very, very, very deep Midwest roots, you know, and like obviously started in the Dakotas, but like, They've both worked at Indiana together and stuff like that too. So they've worked in like the Big Ten country. They so like these guys and brought you know unprecedented success in football yep. to that area. Yep. So like they they have a connection and like just a personality that fits really well with a lot of these Midwest recruits that I think is going to show itself in the recruiting from like you know now until the end of their tenure here. So yeah. uh, I don't think that we're going to be limited to the West coast, even if and when Courtney Morgan either decides to leave or, 
is, you know, kind of like as his contacts have kind of run out. I don't think that will happen for Courtney Morgan, by the way, like the latter. Yeah. I don't think that he just seems like such a, a, a go-getter guy and like a yeah. really, um, he likes to make contacts with like everyone type thing. Like he's, he's just, he's, he's out there and likes to have his name out there. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't see that happening, but if that were to happen, like at the very least, I think we would definitely have some Midwest recruits just because of the DeBoer factor. Yeah. Remind so. me to bring that back up when we talk about conference realignment, the fact that the, mm-hmm. I know where you're going with that, but yes, Midwest guys, I'm sure our listeners yep. know where I'm going, but we can touch on that. <laughs> Who are your well, two maybe. guys? So as we all know on this podcast, it all starts with the trenches, right? So run the damn ball too soon. I have a, I have a defensive guy and I have an offensive guy, both in the trenches. Neither of these guys, you probably probably would have had me pick. Well, maybe the offensive guy, but the defensive guy for sure not. Sua Lafotu is the guy that I'm highlighting. I like it. High riser, high riser. This guy, I think he was injured yeah. or something like that last year. Yep. And I think that really limited like his exposure as far as uh, recruiting rankings. But this guy has a good senior year. You're talking about like going from a mid three star to like a low four star kind of guy. Yeah, oh, and the guy and 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 the the schools that he that were after him, you would recognize that as far as you have Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Michigan State, just on this short list here, like. Yeah, the Michigan State one is a like that's that should raise some eyebrows there that like oh shit like this is a California dude that was getting some Midwest love yeah so um that that's a big commit in and of itself just because of like what he could ter- turn into but the bigger story here is building that pipeline St John Bosco. <laughs> You should have. You should have. I, I would have <laughs> I totally praised you for it. I should have <laughs> praised you for it. I almost kind of set you up for it, too. St. John Bosco is an yes. absolute powerhouse in California. Bellflower, California. We also have Devin Bryant out of there that was an early commit to us back in May. So we are building these relationships with some of these some of these uh, pipeline in like powerhouse schools that like 2024, they have some massive recruits coming out of St. John Bosco. And immediately after Sua committed, you saw offers go out to those guys and they were praising us on Twitter and stuff like that. So this is all strategical. Like you can tell that these guys actually have a plan with this, which is amazing. It's awesome that they have like a recruiting strategy because we haven't had that in at least three years at this point. Um, so I'm excited about Sua, like in and of itself, but I'm really excited about that 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 pipeline to a powerhouse in St. John Bosco. By the way, Keith Price I think went to St. John Bosco back in the day too. So um, little little love to a, an old an old QB of, of the UW. And Sean McGrew so, was from there too, I think, right? Sean McGrew was from there. Yeah, a guy that yeah, I mean I, I like Sean McGrew, but like that was a four star that probably didn't really pan out. <laughs> like we he were was hoping. overrated. You can't. He just yeah, too little. I don't know how you based on his size alone. I don't know how you even rate him four stars. Yeah, because he got like honestly like pretty bulky by the end, but like he was still so small. 
Well, the problem you know, was when he got bulky, he lost his speed, which made him a super mm-hmm. special high school player. Because he was right. his stats were insane. Yeah, at Bosco. His but touchdown, like, a, does he still have like the touchdown record? He had scored so many fucking touchdowns his senior year. Yeah, it's something like that. I don't know if he still has it or not, but anyways, I, that was going to be my big point on Sua. When you yeah. said his name, I was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that I did go that way because otherwise you would have been like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, even though they might not but, be like the the pedigree names out of Bosco this year, the fact that you're getting it's two. strategic. And they're damn good players. Don't get me wrong. They're good. They're good three stars. They're good three stars. And yeah. like Sua, like I said, could be a damn good three star that could be a four star. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully he stays healthy his senior year and puts out some tape and be nice to have another four star in the boat. So on the offensive side, with the flow, I'm going with the flow. I am. We're going interior O line oh, here. Two two sports star. <laughs> He is a two-sport star. <laughs> You're right. Baseball is the is the two-sport star. I think his picture actually here is from baseball, yeah, which is kind of funny. Um, Landon Hatchett, a younger brother of Garen Hatchett, who is on the squad now. Uh, big get here, though. Uh, it w- he was leaning away from UW up until that last weekend in June. He had yeah. just taken an official to USC. Um, he had been to Oregon before that, I know. And I think he had been to like, was it like he was mostly looking Pac-12? Was it? No, he oh was no, he had he gone to A and M, and he was high on Michigan too. Yeah, he had gone to Michigan, and I think he had gone to A and M at one point yep. too. But a pretty highly recruited guy. I mean, it, pretty much yeah. all the all the blue bloods kind of on the West Coast and even kind of in the Midwest had Miami. offered this kid. Miami had even offered him Cristobal. He had, he had even offered him so. This guy was pretty highly sought after and a guy that we kept home. Like you talk about loyal to the soil. This is going to be your highest rated recruit from home in the 2023 class. He's an 89 by 247, which is a high three star. That's basically a four star, though, for the position that he plays because he's basically a center. Right. So and the way that the recruiting rankings work is that they're kind of based on like NFL potential. So like, he's going to, he's, he's never going to be an exterior offensive lineman. Like he's never going to be a tackle. He's always either going to be a center or a guard more than likely he's going to be a center. Centers just don't like have as high of a grade on them naturally when it goes to the NFL. So he is never going to go up to a four-star probably, but you can almost consider this a four-star recruit, I would say. Just like, yeah. he's an 89. That's that's essentially a four-star rating, right? But yeah. he's still a three-star just because of the position that he plays. Nonetheless, he's got good size. He's 6'3", 295, like already. And he's got a mean head of hair. He's got way better hair than his brother. I will say that. He's got and way better I hair love than it. both of us. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a given, but yes, because he's got hair. So um, <laughs> like this, I, I'm I'm just excited to have a dude that like is excited to come to Washington. And his mom is so excited that like both of her kids are going to Washington. Right. Yeah. And he's from Washington. Like, it, like this is the stuff that you get excited about as far as like loyal to the soil stuff. So it, Landon Hatchett in the boat. 
I don't think he's going anywhere at this point, he's but not. the the guys are going to come calling. So like recruiting doesn't stop just because you got you got to commit. But he's um, not going to go he anywhere. Seems... I just heard the backstory of mm-hmm. why he was kind of set on Please. not coming to Washington. So yeah, one of the things that he was bummed about was the fact that under Jimmy Lake, they moved his brother, Garen Hatchett, to center. And mm-hmm. Landon, to the points that you just made, knows that his future is at center. And so the big draw for him coming to Washington was the possibility of playing with his brother on the same offensive line again as like a center guard duo. And so when he kind of thought that wasn't going to be a possibility is when he started to poke his head around and look elsewhere. And when you do that and you're taking trips to A&M, Miami, Michigan, like you can get your head turned. But I guess on the big official visit weekend, somehow DeBoer and Grubb got wind of that and sat him down and laid out a huge plan, multi-year plan on how he can be starting alongside his brother at some point as a center guard duo. And so I think that's just way too deeply rooted in the family side of things for him to pass up that opportunity that like, I'm not worried about him going anywhere at this point. Yeah. And that would be just a super cool story to see the hatchet brothers. Oh, for sure. It would be awesome. Well, you, you uh, heard and watched his recruitment video, right? I believe. Yes, I did. So like, it was like a minute log video and there was like an announcer in the background. It was super, super cheesy because a lot of these are, but it had like, like the announcer was like basically introducing like the 2024, 2025 lineup basically. Yeah. And like, they were like, they were going to like the PAC 12 championship or something like that. And starting at center was Landon Hatchet and next to him is brother gear and hatchet at guard type thing. So like that totally clicks as far as like, the the, the context the of that yeah so that's awesome like that and I, that totally hits home then too for like for that whole it comes full circle there as far as like um why he chose washington and then also like relating it to his recruit recruiting video and that like yeah I mean, yeah he's he's not going anywhere so yeah. that's the guy, one guy i think we we almost know for sure we're hanging on to at this point. yeah and i think the auxiliary benefit to that too is if his older brother Garen Hatchett doesn't break the starting lineup on the offensive line this year, knowing that his brother's on the team and that possibility of playing next to each other the next year or the year after that might be the reason his we'll keep brother Garen. sticks around. Yeah. So I think it's huge to have both of them. Yeah, which Garen's looking on the outside in, I would say at probably right now, starting this year. Yeah. Um but it's it's possible. It's possible. I think the most likely spot he would honestly start this year, Gearin, that being would be center. Yeah, I'd agree. So anyway, uh, those are like just a few of the guys that we're highlighting here. But there's like we said, there's 16 guys in this class right now and a bunch more to be super hyped about. Rashid Williams, who didn't even bring up another four star guy. We talked yeah. about him, I think, a little bit on the last last podcast, though. Yep. Guy that we didn't mention, Vincent Holmes, defensive back, four-star. Probably, uh, I think he's likely to be a safety based on kind of the way he plays. Um, But a talented player nonetheless. 
And I think what we're really excited about, though, is some of these guys that might be making commitments, you know, in the next week or two. And really any day it could come. Yeah. Some of these guys have been crystal ball to UW already, which basically just means that like a lot of the the analysts and like guys that study this for a living are picking UW to be the favorite to land some of these recruits and 90 something percent of the time they are correct in those crystal balls. So I know that we have crystal balls for at least four of these guys. Um, the last two, I don't think we do, but we are still favored, I think for, for those two as well. Yep. Um, at least one of them. So, um, why don't, why don't you talk a little bit about, about those four guys? You don't have to like go into depth, but like sure. maybe just at least do their like recruiting ranking and stuff like that and the position that they play. Yeah. So the three that are top of mind for me, I mean, I'll just go down in ranked order. Curly yeah. Reed is a corner from Lake Charles, Louisiana. And he is a his 247 sports composite rating is 93. So he is he would be a you know he's got a better ranking than Anthony James. He'd be our number one yep. recruit at that point. And 6'1, 180 corner, being able to pull somebody like him out of the bayou would be insane. And so that would be awesome if we could pull him in. And that makes the whole Caleb Presley the Caleb Presley the Oregon thing just be like, well. Oh yeah. No problem. That's I'll an afterthought Curley. at that point. I'll take yeah. Curly. So that would be a huge well, get. And it's us and TCU, I think are is kind of like final two, basically, yep. is is kind of what it sounds like. So and, and he was just in. Yeah. So I feel pretty good about that. And I think he set I thought he set a commitment date, but he's also gone Did he? totally silent. So yeah. Who knows if that's happening or not. And then the other two that I want to highlight, Jackson Bowers is one of the top tight ends in the country. He's got offers from everywhere. He, he's rated as a 91, um, 65, 225. We're probably only taking one tight end. It seems like all indications are leaning our way with him. It might take a little while before he pledges his allegiance, um, but I expect him to be in the boat sooner rather than later. And then the third guy I want to talk about is another guy ranked ranked 90 is Jordan Sanford. And he's a safety from Arlington, Texas. And he's got his commitment date set for August 4th. I think he might pop even before that. And yeah. all the crystal balls that are meaningful are in our direction. So what I just kind of highlighted there are three guys that are trending in a very positive direction to committing to the Huskies that are rated 90 or higher. And so as we talk about like the, the rankings of this class, the, that's three, four stars that you're just adding on the top here. So mm -hmm. getting those three would be awesome. And then the other three names we have here, two wide receivers, Benny and Ignoyi, Ngoyi, I don't know how to say his yeah. last name. Um, and the other wide receiver being Tayshawn Lyons both um, good wide receivers. They're not the most highly rated receivers, but you get some length there. And then filling out our Benny's from, from Nebraska though. That's a little bit of something to kind of yeah. highlight there. And he's super tall. He's like six, four. Yeah. 
Yeah. So a little bit of a different wide receiver there, but yeah, keep going. Which we can use. And then lastly, that's kind of on, on the precipice of potentially committing is victory Johnson, who is a body that you want to have on defense. I mean, yeah. I could pull it up, but I'm pretty sure he's like six four two forty. 64230. So he's yeah. he's slotted as an inside linebacker right now, but with that body type, it would be tough not seeing him growing into an edge outside linebacker position. Um, good speed for the position. So um, if we can get a handful of those guys, get three of them, four of them, this recruiting class is filling out super nicely. Yeah, for sure. I want to add one guy there and it's, I think it's pretty doubtful that we probably get him because I think he was he was set to commit a couple days ago, but he's putting things on pause with our, our next topic being being on the horizon here. But um, we are a finalist on Blake Purchase's like kind of top, you know, few few schools yeah. as well. And he's a he's a he's a mid four star guy, 93 rated by 247. Um, so he would obviously be a huge bump if we were to able able to possibly land him i don't think that's very likely but i think we're like in an okay spot that we're probably if if he's putting it off i don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing at this point i think he was probably yeah. trending towards oregon so um it, whatever puts him off of that decision as far as like putting that off a little bit longer allows us a chance to possibly sneak in and swoop him so yeah um but on that note yeah like <laughs> Some of these guys are, you know, they've been they've been crystal ball to to us, and some of them have commitment dates like kind of far off in the future. So that's one thing. But a couple of these guys just, I think, are kind of waiting to see kind of how the lay of the land ends up here because we have some major realignment news. And unless you're living under rock, you've probably heard, but USC and UCLA are the two most recent schools to be a realigning to a different power five. So they are leaving the pac 12, which is now the pac 10 at this point, but still called the pac 12, I think, and going to the big 10 starting in 2024. So at this point now in the last year, we have had news that USC and UCLA, the like highlight TV market, the LA schools, of the west coast are now leaving the west coast to go to the big 10 and texas and oklahoma which were the two in 2024 and the the biggest schools in the big 12 currently texas and oklahoma are leaving for the sec by 2025 i think i, I can't remember if it's in or by then like i think it's by by then so it could be earlier mm -hmm. um so like those are the those, those are just like massive storylines in and of itself. I think it's inarguable that you the USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten is bigger news though, as far as just like changing the football landscape. You're gonna start to see dominoes fall everywhere. Yeah. And this leaves the Pac-12 in a really hard place. It leaves the Big 12 in a in kind of a tough place too, right? With Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And now pressure to stay relevant. And the trend is 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 kind of towards, you know, two major conferences, super conferences in and of, in and of itself with the Big Ten and the SEC. 
and what teams are going to stay relevant by joining those conferences. So how did this happen, Sam? Like, like this is just like, I mean, it's, it started at the college football that we knew growing up is dead, (laughs) right? Like it's, 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 it's off the cliff at this point. The, the, the tradition of it, the pageantry of it, it's, it's all gone. It's all about money now. Right. And like, it, it's not just money as far as NIL, like that was the first big fucking change, right? That and the yeah. transfer portal were like the two biggest changes to college football, yep. like up till now. But now with this realignment, like it's, it's just, it's, it's going to be completely different now at this point. And you just hope that UW isn't left out of this whole situation. But what, what caused this before we get into that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all money. And the business that college football is has been brought out of the shadows into the light, whether it's the transfer portal, NIL, recruiting, pay for play, but really the big money influence on college football is the TV deals. And so when you talk about, you know, we're moving in this direction of two super conferences, might as well rename the Big Ten to the Fox Conference and rename the SEC yep. to the ESPN conference because unfortunately we're in a place where Fox and ESPN are calling the shots and bullying 100 plus year old institutions <laughs> into doing what they yeah. want. And that pisses me off, but it's the reality of today's world. And so Fox was in the big tens ear. Fox was in the LA markets ear and Fox knew all along that their their key ratings driver from a conference perspective was the Big Ten. And they're coming up on their contract renewal. These are long contracts, usually five to 10 years. And they saw an opportunity to add the number three market in the country in LA. And by pulling in those LA schools, that just sweetens the deal for everybody. The Big Ten gets paid way more in that deal. Fox is going to pay a lot more to get that L.A. market. And then, you know, Fox is looking to make a pretty penny now. They've got two of the three biggest. Well, they actually have got all three of the biggest markets. They've got New York, I guess, with Rutgers. and Rutgers. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that counts. but They have a presence there, but they certainly have Chicago and L.A. now. And so, New York doesn't really give a shit about uh, college football. In that's reality, true. but that's true. Yeah, but that they have presence there. It's really the yeah. Chicago and LA market. So it's this whole thing has been driven by money and greed from these television companies not giving mm-hmm. a shit about tradition of college football, just thinking bottom line: how can they grow their product? Which their business, I get. That's what they're they have to do. Their shareholder duty and grow the bottom line and boy did they ever like this was a huge huge move so when you ask how did this happen the explanation is simple it's these tv companies and these conferences going for a big money grab simple as that yep it's all about money dollar dollar bills y'all money 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 yeah um i mean this this thing shook the college landscape, but this didn't happen overnight, right? Like yeah. this, this was months in the working. And I think the, the, 
the reason that like I mean George Klyakov has honestly done a pretty good job, but he inherited a shit <laughs> like a shit yeah. product right in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, so like I mean, how much do you blame Larry Scott in this whole deal, right? Like, and where does the Pac-12 go from here? Like, like, is it going to cease to exist? Like, do you see it ceasing to exist at this point? Or do you think that it's just going to exist, but in a shell of itself without its big LA schools? And like, USC really flipped a fucking middle finger of the West Coast by doing yeah, this whole did. thing. Like, you, UCLA followed suit, but like, yeah. it's just because they were the other LA school. Well, like, and UCLA was... USC... USC lied to George, George. Yeah. UCLA. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, like it, I mean, I'm still mad at UCLA too, but like USC, I mean, is the driver. They, they, they they looked at George Klyovkov, lied to his face and then flipped him off while they were walking the other way out the door. Oh, so did the big 10 so much for the Alliance that they agreed on between the Pac-12 and the big 10. Sure. Shake your hand and stab you in the back at the same time. Um, Sure. But yeah, I mean, we shouldn't answer, talk too much shit about the Big Ten, though, because we probably want to try this. I don't think they're listening. Over the no, weekend, I was either. driving through Big Ten country. I was in Chicago, drove right past Big Ten headquarters in, was it Rosebury or something like that, Illinois? Drove right you didn't past. stop in? No, thought about it. Drove past South Bend, <laughs> Notre Dame factors into this whole thing, which we can tease. And I know that we want to save a lot of the, the talking points here for when we get Justin on air, but. Yeah, directly just answer your question about the Pac-12 is is it's it's dead. There's no path forward yeah. for the Pac-12. So the scenarios I see play out are the Pac-12 completely disbands with some teams going to the Big Ten, the others going to the Big 12, and then the the smaller schools going to the, the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably at this point what seems to be the most likely scenario. The second most likely scenario is similar, but the Pac-12 and the Big 12 join together. And Mm -hmm. at that point, neither of them are still the Big 12 or the Pac-12. So in my opinion, the Pac-12 is dead there. And again, there's probably in that scenario, some disbanding of teams like Wazoo, Oregon State, probably aren't coming along and going to the Mountain West. And then the third scenario and the scenario that I think we all would hate to see the most is the Pac-12 tries to remain relevant and stand alone without the LA schools and tries to add some mountain top mountain West schools like Boise State, Fresno State, Fresno and State San Diego State, State. San Diego State <laughs> to stay relevant. And mm-hmm. at that point, that's just a slow, painful death for the Pac-12 becoming a glorified Mountain West conference. Those are the, I mean, there's a ton to unpack there. I think we should save it. Oh yeah. That's like the high level three scenarios that I see playing, potentially playing out. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's all sorts of rumors right now out there if you're Googling them. And hopefully by the time we release this episode tomorrow on the seventh, it hasn't all like broken and everything, like everything that we've just said is just relevant but I think it's unlikely that that will happen. Um, I mean, there's rumors of joint TV deals with the pack, like whatever it's going to be and the ACC, like there's like 
that's like kind of the most recent rumor as of like the last like day or two. Yeah. But it's changing every day. And like, this is all smoke and mirrors. No one really knows what's going on and what's going to happen. And a lot of this info that's being leaked to sources is like all negotiation tactics. And all these schools, all these conferences are scrambling to find their best scenario and their best exit strategy here. And until everything kind of like all the dust settles, we won't really know what's going to actually happen. You know, like there's got to be pen to paper on a lot of this stuff. And it's all just theories and rumors at this point. And I think there was there was like the first inklings were that UW and Oregon were going to go to the Big Ten. Right. And like that was kind of like what we were hoping for. Right. Um, Was that we would just follow USC a UCLA were like probably the two most, you know, likely schools, you know, big 10 probably needs a little bit more of a West coast presence than just the, the LA TV market. You would think so. Yeah. So yeah. You get, you get the Seattle TV market, then you get the Nike brand with Oregon and Phil Knight and all the, all those dollars. So um, that was, that was like the scenario that we were like kind of first presented with. And then Notre Dame entered the equation and, it's kind of complicated things at this point because Notre Dame is obviously like it's it's a bluer blood than we are. It's it's a higher entity than we are, both academically and for the most part with with athletics as well. Mm-hmm. So Notre Dame is the big fish that, that the Big Ten is trying to lure in at this point, And that's holding everything up because they have an offer on the table. And until that decision is made, we don't know what else is going to happen, because I think UW and Oregon are kind of holding out to see what happens with that and they yep. like they're trying to like start to ruffle some feathers with the big 12 and the acc or the pac 12 whatever ends up being like the best next next best scenario for them yeah but i think it's it it's common knowledge at this point that like uw and oregon have applied to the big 10 and, and that's what and, we want. and like that's their that's their quote unquote dream scenario, you know, is that they join the Big Ten and and become a part of this super conference that basically these these networks and conferences are trending towards. Um I think that's that yeah, that 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 is what we want just because that's the thing that keeps UW the most relevant in the long term picture. Um both recruiting wise and uh and exposure wise as far as just like going forward in the college football playoff world um what's best in the near term i don't know (laughs) i mean like you could make an argument that joining the big 12 and becoming kind of a powerhouse in the big 12 would would be a way to go but like i don't think that the big 12 really aligns with you know the the morals and standards that like Washington has upheld for a number of years, you know, with the Pac-12. But is that all off the table just because of money? Probably. (laughs) Everything's off the table because of money. Yeah. So, like, does it really matter? Um, I don't know. So, basically, some of it all, we don't know what's going to happen. And we're glad that at least while we're recording this, while Justin isn't on, that we don't really have a full conclusion of this because there's talking points to be had. And we definitely want him to weigh in on this because I know that he has valuable thoughts and analysis that Sam and I are way too thick headed and dumb to, you know, talk about on. Uh, I object to that. You're <laughs> oh, do pumping, you? You're pumping Justin up way too much. Uh, 
I mean, he brings a different perspective. I'll give him that, right? Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's always right. I didn't say he was always right. Well, you kind of implied that he was smarter than we are. I and I didn't. I just I said we were thick-headed. We, I just said we were. I said we were stubborn. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. Isn't that fair? Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> You're probably more stubborn than I am. I. Yeah, I, I, I tend to be kind of in the middle on, on a lot of this stuff, which doesn't provide a lot of um, intriguing content. So <laughs> I try to sway on one side or the other, but I, a lot of times I'm kind of in the, in the middle. Um, any other realignment talk that we wanted to go over? Anything that I missed? Like, I, I, there's, I, there's a lot to unpack, obviously, yeah. and like a lot's to come. And the future of college football is is a lot different than what we grew up with. You know, yep. it's it's I think it's a matter of time before this ends up being two super conferences, essentially, with the Big Ten and SEC. And it's it, it's like it's basically like the AFC and NFC of the NFL. Right. Yeah, like exactly. and then you basically have like like the champion of both and they go up against each each other in like a final championship game. And so there's probably a playoff playing... system to that. Yeah, but, so do you want to be playing in the NFL or the Canadian Football League? <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's what yeah, or be. like, yeah, or like the USFL or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, God, it's, it's sad, but like if, it, I can't imagine a scenario where UW is not somewhat relevant in this entire scenario. But I'm worried. Like, I'm still yeah. nervous. I think UW is for sure one of the more relevant brands, relevant TV markets right now. It's a top like 30 program historically, right? Top 25. And like you have sure. But like like you have to think that like at least the top 40 to like 50 teams are gonna be like the ones that are kind of in this super yeah. conference scenario, right? Eventually. So at some point, I think it, it all irons itself out, but like, it should, I just don't want to jump. My point I, I don't want to jump like, over too many hurdles. Yeah. My point there is that's where we're at now. But depending on how this sure. shakes out and where UW is left in the next five to sure. 10 years, it's very fair. We can be, we might be relevant. on the outside looking in. Cause I mean, we've, yeah, we've been yeah, 0 and 12 before. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, yeah, we're a top 25 program historically. And so you would think that we should be included in the super conferences that probably add up to 40 to 50. But yep. that's also predicated on the fact that the Big Ten and the SEC trimmed the fat of their bottom dwelling programs like yeah. Northwestern, Rutgers. Vanderbilt, Rutgers, Maryland. And like, that's a big if. Like if, if yeah. teams are getting grandfathered into the super conference, then teams in that 25 to 50 range are in a scary place. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I'll add to this as far as like teasing for the next time that we talk about this in the next episode is that like UW likely could get in the big 10 if it really wanted to, but it's going to likely have to take a cut right of the tv media deal like it's yeah, not going to be, be it'll probably be like a short-term cut like ramp in after yeah yeah four it'd be years like years or something then you'd get your full, right. full cut and like does uw have the patience and wherewithal and like ego 
to like set aside differences and be making less than a Rutgers or a Northwestern for the next three to four years until they get up to the the money that all these other Big Ten schools are making. And that's a whole topic in and of itself. Yeah. Like you can weigh on it if you want to, Sam, but like I'll just say like these are these are all the negotiation scenarios that are happening right now, though, right? With all this leaked information, is that like Big Ten's playing hardball, UW's trying to play hardball, but they're not really in that much of a position of leverage here because the Pac-12 is so weak. Yeah. So I mean, we can try to play hardball as long as we can, but eventually we're gonna have to take a bite of the apple somewhere, and we just hope that it's in the right place. Yeah. No, I totally agree, and to answer your question, like UW should be patient and take the hit short term for the long-term outlook. But when you're paying $10 million to Jimmy Lake to play golf and soon going to be an <laughs> expensive payout for Hopkins, potentially that's a <laughs> lot of sunken money there. So. Yep. You gotta take the quick money sometimes. Who knows? It'll be interesting to follow. It'll be interesting to follow. And yeah, I mean, this is a, Literally, I'm like any type of break that I have at work or like in the morning over breakfast or when I'm at the dinner table, I don't engage with my wife. I'm on Twitter (laughs) following all this stuff. I'm just kidding. I engage with my wife. But like this is, you know, a close second (laughs) to engaging with my wife right now Um, as far as just it just because it's it's the future of our college football program, man. Like this is this is a big deal. And yeah. I really hope that we make the right decision and um, that it all works out, but it's hard not to be scared right now just because the, like everything's on the table and literally anything can happen. Like the worst case scenario is that some place like Oregon joins the big 10 and we're like left out and we just stay with the PAC 12 or something like that. Like that would be absolute worst case scenario. And you know, that Oregon's just doing the, like, they're kind of doing this alliance thing with Washington, but it's really just it, Phil Knight's going to do whatever's best for for Oregon and yeah. for him, right? I feel like they Which is what, are trying is what we should be doing too. Yeah, they're but. trying to attach themselves to the Seattle market, which is BS. That's our market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, get out of here, Eugene. Yeah. But anyways, we're going to get into the Big Ten, and we're going to win that son of a bitch. <laughs> That'd be sick, dude. But, I mean, in the meantime, for the next two years, regardless, we're going to be in the Pac-12. Let's go to win the Pac-12 the next two years, right? Yeah, let's do it. Might as well. I mean, we don't play USC the next two years, do we? Uh, I don't know. I know we don't play them this year, but. I want to fucking hammer is, those guys. My guess is we likely do play them in 2023 because we didn't play them last year. Yeah, it's usually what every two years it switches. Yeah. Yeah, we probably do play them next year. I want to fucking kill those guys. Yeah, me too. Unless they, unless by that time we're part of Big Ten, then we're a big happy family. Sure, but still. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I feel bad for Kleofkov, right? <laughs> like. Yeah, I guess that was the other question you asked that we just kind of breezed over. Delirious God thing. Yeah. We can leave that for the the next episode, but yeah, fuck that. That's guy. fine. <laughs> here's your here's your instance analysis from Sam Hoganson on on Larry Scott. Fuck that guy. 
Could it possibly be any other analysis than that? No, that's all you need. Um, yeah, Klyovkov, I, I think Klyovkov's really good at his job. I just think he inherited a real shit product and kind of just a, a, shit, a shit show in and of itself. Sure did. So, it, I mean, we'll say... He's he's not going to go down without a fight. So we'll see what happens here. Like he, I think he's going to try to make the Pac-12 work, which might be unfortunate for us, but yeah. like credit to him and it, basically I think we're the like us and Oregon are the pillars of the Pac-12 at this point, right? Pac-12, yeah. Pac-10 again, whatever you want to for call sure. it. So I mean Utah's in there for sure, but like as soon as Whittingham leaves well, they're also just they're, they're newer to the conference too. Like they're just not really like a an original OG member. So and they're ripe for picking for the Big Twelve, which is oh, in a stronger position right now than the Pac twelve. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we'll see if Klyovkov can pull a rabbit out of a hat here, but um, I'd say the odds are against oh, oh, him. Oh yeah, and... oh yeah. You want to take USC and UCLA? Well, we're gonna fucking take Ohio State and Michigan. How about them apples? <laughs> <laughs> what if he fucking pulled that out? <laughs> I'll give him, you know, billion dollar a year contracts for the next twenty five years. Yeah. Yeah. They might blink at that. They yeah, they probably would, but it's a bunch of funny money that doesn't exist. Oh, you'd have to go to Saudi Arabia or something for that money. Yeah. Which I guess that's probably that's probably the next step for college football. Yeah. (laughs) Well the Saudis have taken the University of Washington to being private institution. No longer public in-state money, all private tuition. And we're now independent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're getting crazy. We got to save the crazy. We got to save the crazy for the next episode. We do. I know. I keep getting too ahead of myself. All right. We'll tease all that. And uh, yeah, Justin's going to be on the next episode for sure. Um, Hopefully he's feeling better. Justin, we miss you. Anything else that you want to cover tonight, Sam? Nope. We'll talk about the M's on the next episode too. Yeah. They're back in it. <laughs> we ain't we talked yet. about it last episode. They need to get back in it. They're back in it. So that's good. Um, but that'll be the tease for the next episode as well. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the anchor link in our description. Seriously, leave us a message, guys. We will respond because we don't get any. So (laughs) until next time. Go dogs! And fuck Larry Scott. Nice.